And we're back from the blue corner. My name is Dennis and we've got a special episode this week. But before we get onto it, I will just say, as they always say, please give it a like, share and subscribe. Um, And yeah, let's get on with it. So today's guest, um, you know, has been in the uh, combat sports field since 2009, uh, turning pro in boxing in 2012 before taking up her pro career in mixed martial arts in the year after 2013. Um, she holds the uh, IBA and WBF uh, titles for, for boxing. She is also the quickest female knockout in Bellator. And um, it has just been announced that she's probably got the biggest fight that uh, any Aussie has faced Um in fighting for the Bellator title against Chris Cyborg. Uh, I'm talking about none other than Arlene Blanco herself. How are you and how has 2020 been shaping up for you? I'm good, thanks, Dennis. Thanks for having me on. Um, no, 2020, it's been a, definitely an interesting year for everyone. You know, the world's gone crazy, um, everything COVID. But for me, um, yeah, it's definitely been a year of um, development and hard training um we've been training it all year through covid um through the restrictions and um you know now that the gyms are open back up um knuckling right down and yeah as of last week the announcement made for this big fight with chris cyborg now i guess uh i mean we'll, we'll get onto the fight a little later but like have you the rumors were already in january that you were going to come up with this fight um the, the only thing that I kind of saw getting in the way of that is COVID, obviously, flight restrictions and, and all of that kind of uh, jazz. Um, but in the back of your mind, did you kind of know you were going to get this shot? I, and, and I mean that by – because I think the date's been set for the 15th of October, yep. uh, which is four weeks away. <laughs> um, so are you only just starting your, your fight camp now? Or, or, or have you kind of, because, you know, as I said, the rumour mill's been there for quite some time, have you already been training with this fight in mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so when the rumours, obviously Scott Coker had his announcement um, post-fight after the Chris Cyborg and Julia Budd fight earlier in the year, um, you know, it was made known that I was the number one contender and that's who they had planned. So, you know, we started straight away you know, fighting, you know, planning to, for the fight with Chris Cyborg. And in the back of our heads, we were thinking, you know, if you're planning for a fight with Chris, who is, you know, one of the best fighters um, going around, obviously up until she lost to Amanda Nunes, she was, you know, the baddest woman at featherweight um, on the planet. And, um, you know, if you're training for a fight camp for her, then you're prepared for anybody under her, obviously. So, you know, it was a, always a win-win, um, you know, training for a fight like that. Um, we got word... Oh, yeah, a few months ago about, um, you know, we signed a contract. We actually signed, um, you know, for a September date, um, but it got pushed to coincide um, with their new t- TV signing. So that's why we're now fighting in October. Um, but, yeah, so we've been preparing. It's been um, obviously back in January I was hitting the gym hard wanting to, you know, get, pre- get prepared. But without a date, you kind of don't want to be, you know, maxing out your training. Um, you just got to sort of, you know, cruise along and, and, and wait. Now let's take it back. So you, as I said in the intro, you you started um, in two thousand and nine as an amateur in in yeah. boxing. So yeah. boxing was your first sport, yeah. right? Um, why? Uh, I guess why boxing? Uh, like, was there kind of the plan to to go com 
Games or, or the Olympics or, or something like that. Like, so why um, boxing? And then I guess why transition across to mixed martial arts? Yeah, um, boxing. So um, I always – I had an interest in the sport. Like I love the idea of fighting. But, you know, when I was younger, sort of, you know, teenage years, it wasn't a normal thing to see a female in a boxing gym. So, yeah, I'd, I'd watch, you know, all the guys fighting and stuff like that and think, oh, it would be awesome to get in there. And um, 2009, um, New South Wales lifted the ban for females to fight um, and to compete. Um, obviously, that coincided with the announcement that women's boxing was introduced into the 2012 Olympics. And, yeah, that for me um, started – well, actually just resurrected a, a childhood dream of the idea of representing Australia at the Olympics. Um, I was into athletics growing up um, – sprinting you know, the 100 meter 200 meter with both my events and that was something that um you know I'd always I wanted to pursue that um yeah so I, I didn't obviously do that but yeah so when we when I finally f- started fighting that was the career goal to represent Australia um as an Olympian uh, as a boxer and um yeah that was that was the goal originally and is it true that because uh, you where did you grow up you grew up uh up north somewhere, right? Yeah, uh, in, yeah. in a little town. And I, I, I don't know if I read it somewhere or probably I listened to one of your other podcasts or something and you were saying that you basically left home at a very young age. Yeah, yeah. I um, I was actually 12 years old when I ran away from home. Um, you know, the, the year after that, it was a bit of a troubled year. Um, yeah, I just kind of went off the rails a little bit, was skipping school, you know, um, smoking cigarettes, hanging around the wrong crowd, just, yeah, being um, – obviously setting myself to, up to go down the wrong track in life. Um, I was lucky in a sense that I um, I actually met my children's father at a young age and his family who somewhat, I guess, put me back on the right track in the sense that I, I moved back uh, – I moved in with them, started school again, like I actually finished my HSC, um, you know, I was working part-time jobs and – and for the most part, you know, stop smoking cigarettes and, and yeah, started down the right path in life. Um, but then later on, obviously, our relationship was a very toxic one and that sort of in turn led down the wrong path in life again. So that, you know, started a different um, story, I guess. <laughs> and and when, you, when you say uh, toxic, like, was it more just, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, I guess you were both yeah, very young, right? 100%, like, yeah. uh, was it more like an immaturity thing, or or is it something that I guess led you to, I guess, even combat sports? Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. That's one of the reasons that sort of got me definitely started when at twenty six when we did break up. But yeah, the relationship was toxic. I mean, at thirteen and fourteen, you can't start a relationship. I mean, you're both young adults. Like, I didn't pursue anything I mean god I would have started boxing back at 13 um you know when I first sort of was introduced to um the fight world but um I didn't pursue that I didn't yeah nothing that I did in my life sort of was based on my plans it was always plans on sort of you know um what we were doing as a couple or um yeah and then in turn like I I was pregnant with our daughter at 17 so um you know I was a young mum at 18 so then that in turn um completely changed the plans there, like I had plans on going to university and, um, yeah, studying and you know having a career and this and that. But yeah, I was a mum at a young age, which I would not change for the world. Um, you know, every every 
path that my life has taken me has led to me being in this spot today. And, um, you know, at 26, when I finally did start fighting, every training session that I went to, I was switched on. It was not, there was no mucking around. It's like I was away from my two kids, you know, in a gym training. So I was going to make the most of it. So um, that's probably why I am such a dedicated, um, focused, switched on fighter because I still have that mentality now. I'm, if I'm going to be, you know, if I'm going to spend an hour, an hour and a half in a gym training that I could be at home with my kids, when I'm doing something with my kids, then, you know, that's a pretty big, um, uh, what's the word? Um, sacrifice, that's I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, it is a big sacrifice. So that's that's why I've got that mentality. And from what I see, obviously, your eldest, uh, she's an academic. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Which which is kind of weird because usually you got the parents that want you to follow the ac- ap- uh, academic path. Yeah. And... Um, but you being the pro athlete now, it's kind of like, you know, um, I, I mean, obviously you still want her to follow down that route, but it, it's just not uh, what you would consider normal, I guess, because normally it's the parent and the kid wants to play a lot of sport and, yeah, you know, yeah. and, 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 and the parents, they're going, no, you've got to do your homework. Um, but yeah, like how, how has that relation, like, have you been able to help her with her homework or she's already... Oh man, she's, we were, I was driving home because she lives in Wollongong now, so um, we were driving, I was dropping her back home after um, coming and staying at our house for a few days and she was reading me an assessment that she was writing for her psychology, um, that she, <laughs> and she was reading it to me and I'm like, I have no idea what that, <laughs> but I'm like, I can spell check it for you. Yeah, she, um, she has always been super smart but again that's just she hasn't or sorry she hasn't always been super smart I remember like her early high school years she was struggling with especially English and um she's worked really really hard and yeah now she's in the position where she's quite academic and she's um you know she's going really really well and then on the other side is your your youngest which <laughs> is which is your son right yeah. and and he's kind of following well not following your footsteps in, in the sense of like he's not into combat sports, but it looks like he, he's starting to become quite the athlete. Yeah, yeah. It's so good to be able to teach him. Um, obviously, yeah, he's a soccer player and he's a goalkeeper and it's you know far sport from combat, but there's a lot of lessons that I can teach him with being, you know, a respectable athlete and how to look after yourself and, um, you know, treat your coaches, treat your teammates, the work ethic, and he sees all of that. Um, you know, he's... He's literally grown up in the gym um, from, oh gosh, when I was pregnant. <laughs> when he was in my belly, he was going to a gym. So, um, yeah, he's, he's seen the hard work and they both have. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, um, me fighting was never about, you know, wanting them to be fighters. It's probably yeah, it's the last thing I'd want from, obviously, if they wanted to be a fighter, um, I'd support them 100%. But I've always said that I'd support them in whatever they choose and as long as they can just see you know, that hard work and dedication in anything that you want to pursue. And obviously, too, you know, the, the roller coaster of a ride. Um, and they see it with both their, you know, their passions that it's never smooth sailing. You just keep going. And look, if you can do it making, uh, like playing soccer, that's a good sport because <laughs> it's still one of the highest paid sports in the world globally, right? Yeah, like, it's yeah. just like, it's crazy. And, and on that note, I've seen you post the other day that, um, he's been accepted. Yeah, to Sydney FC. Yeah. So what does that entail? Um, well, he's just yeah joining their academy, so their development squad. So he's under thirteens next year, and um, yeah, he'll spend the next. Well, obviously, if they keep him, it just um, you know he'll spend the next few years, and hopefully, then progress into the A League team, and 
I mean, even from there, there might even be overseas scouters, that which there are, always are, especially at the A-League games. And, I mean, yeah, it's it's been an interesting few weeks um, for me as a mother on and off the phone to all different coaches. Like he, he had op- opportunities to go to uh, several clubs across Sydney and, um, yeah, it just was spinning me out because I keep – like I'm like he's a 12-year-old boy. But, yeah, they definitely start them young and – I can see a big future in him. It's just, yeah, for, my, for me, the goal with Kian was always, you know, to be an educated athlete and to be a respectable person too because at the end of the day, um, how you hold yourself off the field, um, you know, plays a big, big part in your career too. Um, you see it all the time with these professional athletes, you know, they're rat bags and it just, yeah, it, it's not, um, you don't want to be that sort of person. You want to be hold yourself well on the field and hold yourself even better off the field. And I guess um, on a two-part question around this kind of topic which is your which is the hardest battle fighting professionally in a cage or parenting <laughs> and which job do you take more serious fighting professionally or parenting oh well parent yeah parenting is obviously always my number one um it i say this all the time it doesn't matter what i do what what else i do in my life it could be winning world titles you know having you know, all this money in my account or whatever. But, yeah, at the end of the day, what means the most to me are my children. They are my greatest achievement and they mean, like, more to me than anything. Um, but I also, in that sense, my fight career and the things that they see um, me doing day in and day out is also teaching them great things to set themselves up in life too. Um, you know, it was one of the reasons I started fighting is that, you know, I didn't want to just be that mother. Not, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, being a mum to them I wanted them to, I wanted to be a role model and show them firsthand not just you know point to people and be like oh I'll be like that person like I just show them so and obviously you know that that mother instinct comes out because I also see that you right now you've got the biggest fight <laughs> of your career coming up and you're still taking time to to you, you went and visited some juvenile um yeah was it just last week or the week before um what's your reasoning behind I, I guess, you know, and, and I guess just the timing of it. I mean, it's always good to have good role models in, in, in yep. the community and stuff like that. But when you have such an important, I guess, bout coming up, um, you know, yeah, why why go to, I guess, these juveniles yep. um, and, and, yeah, why um, now as well, I guess? Yep. Well, I, ha- I have been working with them, um, you know, for quite a few years now, but um, I've, I've taken on – a more permanent position um, with going to the juvenile centre weekly. I just, you know, touching, going back to an earlier comment, obviously, you know, at a young age I had the potential to go, you know, and live a completely different life to what I live today, just purely from the decisions I was making at a young age and and the people that I was hanging around. So it is a subject that's close to my heart and I think that, you know, all it takes is, um, you know, to have that one person in your life that can, you know, be that good example that might set something... Um, you know, teach you something. And that's, as I said um, in one of my posts, uh, you know, if I can at least just, you know, reach one person out of this group and change their life, then for me, not that I'll even know that I've changed their life, but I just know looking back, you know, at 37 now, I've had a lot of influential people in my life and um, all it takes might, might even just be one comment from one person that's, you know, sparked a little fire inside me or... Um, yeah, that's potentially led to who, like who I am today. Um, so yeah, that that is why it's a subject close to my heart, and I think 
um, you know, I found my passion in life, which is obviously fighting, but then through that I found my purpose, which is, you know, to pass it on. So um, and I think it's more in the sense you know, I could be a boxing coach or this and that, but I think I've got more to share through my experiences than, you know, which is, which is mentoring. I feel that, um, you know, I can help other people. And I guess most kids would, like, really love that, right? They're like, <laughs> like this is badass. Yeah. Um, but when, when, it, when it comes to your kids, like, how, how, how do they feel about, you know, mum going off to, to, to fight? Like, and, and I'm sure sometimes you come back and you're all bruised up and yeah. stuff. Like, do your kids um, – I mean, earlier on they might have been a bit young, but, I mean, they're definitely both at that age where they totally understand yeah. what's going yeah. on now. So – do they see it as a bad, like, you know, like are they happy to go <laughs> mum's a fighter or or are they at a point where they're kind of like, ma, like, I, you no, know, we don't want to see you get hurt kind yeah. of thing? Well, obviously they wouldn't want to see me get hurt, but they see how much hard work. I, I think they believe in me. Like my son thinks it's pretty cool. Like he's in high school now and, you know, he tells all his mates his mum's this and his mum's that. But for my daughter, like she'll sit there and she's like, you know, obviously um, I told her about the cyborg fight, you know, weeks ago like when we first found out that it was official and she's like, you know, are you scared? You know, so we have these honest conversations and that. Um, but for the most part, I think they're, they're just used to it now. Um, you know, I've, I've been lucky. I haven't been seriously injured, you know, a couple of black eyes, this and that. Like most of my injuries actually happened during fight camp rather than the fight itself. But um, they believe in me and, um, yeah, I guess they're just happy happy that I'm going for it <laughs> and talking about um telling all these friends at school what you do it, do they still have those kind of like um career days or whatever where they bring parents in and and you got to tell like the class what you do for a living <laughs> do they still do that um no I haven't been up to the school for that um I'll have to ask him actually but I'm sure that if they did he'd be the first one to be dragging me along so he definitely wouldn't be the one that would be embarrassed to bring his mum up that's for sure he's um like I remember when we I went to Hawaii the end of last year for uh, – he represented Australia in futsal. So, um, you know, obviously all the players and they were players from all over Australia and then their parents and, you know, I went along with him. Um, and then, you know, the kids were all playing. Within the space of an hour, they all knew that I was a professional fighter and then they'd told their mums and then I've got all the parents coming up to me asking her. So I was literally – there was no hiding it, whereas I'm the type of person that when I'm sort of in a group of people, I don't – I prefer much not that I'm embarrassed or ashamed. I just, you know, I don't walk around letting people know who I am or what I do and fighting wise. So I wouldn't have even told them, but they knew, <laughs> thanks to Kian. <laughs> and for people that don't know, futsal's like a miniature version oh, of yeah. soccer. Um, yeah. I think it's five on five or something. Yeah, Usually yeah, it's, it's indoors, in, indoor, right? Yeah, smaller goals. It's on um, like a hard, like a netball, basketball type um, court. So it's a fast paced game. Um, but yeah, so. It's funny because I played two games. I had a, I had a friend invite me along. They're like, "Oh yeah, come, it'll be fun." I think I learned I had two left feet that day. <laughs> like I, I really like, and like I used to play basketball, so my coordination's pretty good. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is a different game. Yeah. It really is. Um, so I guess <clears throat> only because you did start, I guess later on to what most of these kids are starting these days, right? Like um, you were twenty five. 26. 26, fight, yeah. right, um, where a lot of these kids now are starting, you know, in their teens. Yeah. Um, you know, lo looking back on it now, like if there was – knowing what you know now, what would you give – and especially knowing that you were going down the wrong track and um, 
you know, as you say, people walk into your life and they inspire you or whatever. But yeah. if you were to, you know, how they always sometimes say, like, write a letter to your yeah. youngest yeah. self or whatever. If you were to, like, give your younger self advice now, knowing what you know now, yeah. what what would... Well, it's funny because when you, when you are younger, you think that the future is so far ahead. Like, you know, even, you know, as a 12, 13-year-old, the idea of, you know, thinking of me at 37, I'm like, oh, wow, that's so old. But... When you think about the years do go by really, really quickly. Like it just feels like yesterday that I was a teenager sort of thing. But, yeah, for me, and this is what I was sort of saying in my mentoring groups too, like make smart, smart choices for your life. You know, think of the future. Think think big picture too. Set yourself goals and, and don't ever think that you can't achieve them. So for me, you know, I was, you know, a young child and my dream was to reach, you know, to be an Olympian as an athlete, um, in athletics, sorry. And... But I just never really thought that I could do that. But there was no reason why I couldn't. Like, why didn't I just, you know, pursue athletics and, you know, train and work hard? Instead, I just thought that, no, nah, that's not, like, I can't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, find a way to, don't let anyone ever dim your light um, with your goals. Like, I always used to think that I could do great things, but never really sort of put myself in a position to do it. Um, but then also, too, like myself, obviously, if you make mistakes in life, don't think that that's a be-all and end-all. There's absolutely no reason at any stage of your life, you know, being a child, teenager, young adult life, late adult life, you know, whether it's in relationship, careers, your personal life. If you've made mistakes or you're in a you know, bad situation, you're in a rut, especially here in Australia, we're in such a lucky situation where you can change things, um, you know. Even if you're out, you know, homeless, living on the streets, but there's ways that you can make, you know, change your life and, and turn it around for the better. And I've I've got my theory about like you know exactly what you said like um, age and and time seems so far away as you're younger and I always say it's 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 just relevance right so obviously when when you're five years old one year is one fifth of your life right yeah, yeah. so you know once you're twenty it's one twentieth of your life yeah. so e- each year becomes a smaller proportion and and that's why I feel like the years as you get older yeah right. Um, start going quicker because I remember the same thing I remember going through school and you know even like just high school going from year six to year 12 yeah that felt like eternity <laughs> right and 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 now you look at it and you're like well I've done that like four times over I know. right and yeah. it only feels like I left school two years ago yeah. yet yet yeah. you know so I totally um appreciate that that kind of yeah. you know scope of things um I guess though as well with 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 the age though is how how long do you see yourself still going i mean you started late so and sometimes that can help because obviously you don't take that early uh damage as you're developing yeah um but i mean you know i always say especially (laughs) in this sport like age does play a factor because you know certain sports you can go basketball andrew gays played till he was 50 um i mean look Couture fought till he was 48, don't get me wrong. Um, but I always say, you know, youth is a big factor in this sport because of reaction time, yeah. uh, speed, recovery Just time. Your body coming through fight camps too. But yeah, I mean, the idea of Mike Tyson making comebacks promising for me. But um, no, I, I t- totally get you too. And for me, um, like and I've said it a long time, and that's probably why I am so proactive with setting life up after fighting because I think unfortunately for me, the spark and the love and the desire will still be there long after my body tells me it's not time, to, like it's time to stop. 
Um, I'm lucky in a sense, like I said, I'm setting myself up now so that I've got an interest still in the sport um, where I can very much still be part of it. Um, and then, yeah, I've got, I've got a great personal life too. Like my partner and I have got plans as well. So, yeah, I feel one of the biggest focuses I've had and I've had for a long time and it's probably because I've been surrounded by athletes um, and seen firsthand what it's like to be on the spot, like being, you know, under the bright lights and then the next day um, your career can be over and having to deal with that. So, you know, I've always had myself in a situation where, you know, if my career was all of a sudden over, I'd have things to fall back onto to help that um, the mental side of it because, yeah. So is that like in and more in like investments or uh, are you talking about more like a plan? Like, you know, I know a lot of um, athletes, they'll start a gym, you know, and start yeah. coaching. Like, are, are we talking more setting yourself up in that sort of direction or is it like personal investments that you've made that will hold you through afterwards? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, like little goals. Um, yeah, so things to do after fighting. So it wouldn't be setting up a gym. That would probably be the last thing <laughs> on my mind. But definitely um, mentoring fighters, managing fighters, um, you know, running a lot of seminars, doing my motivational talking, uh, the mentoring the youth, um, running active kid programs. So, yeah, there's a lot and I've, I can't wait for this um, – obviously this fight to happen but the two-week quarantine when I'm back here in Australia I need that two weeks in front of my laptop just to start putting things into um into play like even for my partner too like he's a so current like he's a soccer player as well and he's actually someone that I've learned a lot off um so going back to the story where you can know you're playing under the bright lights and you know, performing under the bright lights and literally the next day your career is over um that happened to him so to have that like you know that support from my partner um over the last few years has really helped me in um, pivotal points of my career where, you know, I've potentially been thinking about retiring and, you know, focusing on other things and, you know, even having him sort of sit there and say to me, like, babe, especially at your age now, if you retire, that's, that's it. You can't decide to come back in 12 months' time or a year's time. Like, if you retire now, it's – you're done. Like, are you ready to end your career? And I was lucky that I had that support, especially from, you know, a partner as well because – uh, let's face it, being a part like a, a partner to a female fighter is not the, <laughs> the easiest um, role. So he could have very easily been selfish in that um, instance, and but he wasn't. He was supportive, and and I'm here today because of him. <laughs> and and when you say like it happened to him, like what what were the circumstances around that? Was was it like injury that that pulled it out from him, or yeah, well a bit of both. So he was actually um, <laughs> funny enough. So my son's a goalkeeper for soccer, and he's a goalkeeper for soccer as well. So. Um, so Kian's very, very lucky that he's obviously got me. Okay, so on that though, who's the favourite parent then? <laughs> um, Mummy's always a favourite. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> um, no, but he, yeah, so Kian's got a lot of support in the sense that he's got a, a stepfather that's, um, you know, reached the top level in Australia in the sport and the position that he's um, now playing in. So, And then obviously me as a mother – and then us as parents too, like, yeah, we still try and keep him very grounded. But um, going back to the question with Dion, he um, – so he was playing for Newcastle Jets, the A-League team, and, um, yeah, had a shoulder reconstruction. And then, yeah, it was a mixture of injury and then he had a bad manager at the time too. So, yeah, it was like overnight, um, yeah, f- phone calls, this and that, and then, yeah, his career, his um, you know, contract was terminated and he was – yeah. But for him – nothing was sort of set up in place for life. Well, he was only young at the time too, so you kind of don't think about those things. And so, yeah, he actually, you know, spiralled downhill, went through depression and this and that, obviously still getting over injury and 
Um, yeah, so it was a tough time for him. So he shared that knowledge with me, which has helped me a lot in my career. So no, and and I mean the the other thing on that is like you know. Uh, uh, regardless of what sport it is generally speaking is like you do have a limited life lifespan yep. right like and um i find it's the same thing a lot of the athletes that come through once again start at a young age right whether yep. it's athletics um even now in the football and stuff they they start you know in their teens um and i think that's also problematic sometimes as well because you don't have a life coach yeah right so um for instance when you hear about you know uh, some of these NRL players or whatever, <laughs> and they get into a bit of trouble, yep. or and I go, it doesn't surprise me because once again, like going back to you know when you're young, you think you've got so much time in front of you. As you get older, you you realize it's not really there. But yep. like the other thing is like when you're young and you sign, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand dollar yep. contract, right? It's a lot of money for yeah, a kid, for sure. right? And and a lot of them don't know what to do with that money. And yep. then on top of that is you don't live the normal lifestyle where it's a nine to five Monday to Friday. Yeah. You do two hours of practice, then you have this whole time where you've got nothing to do. Yeah. And, and so I think it's like a dangerous combination because you're, you're young and let's, let's say a little bit silly. Yeah. You've got a lot of money and a lot of time on your hands. And I, and I just yeah, think, you know, right. It's, it's right. And, and, and especially even more so in the States when you, when you hear about the, these, say basketballers who forget a couple of hundred thousand or NFL and they're making millions. Especially when you look at, yeah, I guess some of the family upbringings, they come from absolutely nothing and then all of a sudden they have everything. They've got the fame, they've got the money, they've got all this attention on them. Like, yeah, you can't help but to go to their head. And, um, yeah, so that's that's one of my biggest focuses with Kian because, um, like, you see it all the time. So that's why, like I said before, I try to keep him, you know, um, level-headed on the field but then same outside and off the field and um, for me and I've drummed it into him since an early age is that you want to be an educated athlete so that you know if touch wood that his career was to end early like he's a good looking kid with a good head on his shoulders so there's so many other avenues like if you can't play soccer there's so much else to do in the world of soccer that can you can make a name for yourself or still be involved and the same with me with fighting you know if once I'm finished fighting I might not be in the cage fighting but I still have a very, very strong tie to Bellator. Um, you know, there's promotions that I want to hold here in Australia and like an all-women's fight promotion. Um, yeah, Like an Evicta? Yeah, yeah, but um, it'll be Amazonia. So it'll kind of like hopefully run off. Um, like there's Gladiators MMA, which is obviously Tama Tahuna's um, fight promotion that he runs at the band club. So, yeah, I'll kind of sort of run off that in the Western Sydney area and then, yeah, have fly fighters over from yeah really focus on the southern hemisphere and then yeah try and be a feeder club feeder um promotion to bellator and then keep that really close tie and i and i did ask janae and i did ask ty when are we bringing bellator to australia <laughs> like is that something that you i mean definitely if you beat chris when i beat chris oh yeah when sorry <laughs> no grant granted granted um are you going to get into Scotsy and go, now it's time to bring yeah, Bellator definitely. to Australia? Because, yeah. look, I, I have to say, like, the, the market is here yeah. and, I, and I think Bellator would do great and I just – I always feel like we kind of miss out, right? Well, like, man, if they're running shows, you know, in Europe and, you know, um, they've done the Asian market too and, the, yeah, there's no reason they can't bring it here. I think with having, obviously um, – I'd really like to try and get some um, Australian guys signed to the promotion too, so that's something – but. 
yeah, I'll win this fight and it definitely um, opens up a big – I, like, yeah, I need to win this fight so I can sort of put in place many other little plans I have, um, which is definitely bringing Bellator to Australia. Um, you know, there's a few other people in the roster. Obviously, we've got Janae, we've got Beck Rawlings, um, you know, Ty from New Zealand. But, yeah, there's definitely so much potential. Even, you know, the gyms that I train in here – in Western Sydney and even down in Wollongong, like, I look around and think, gosh, there's so much talent and everyone's thinking UFC, UFC, everyone wants to get there. But, you know, Bellator is an awesome promotion. You get signed to there and they do look after you, um, which is the very reason why I haven't gone over to the UFC. Well, and and the show's different. Like, um, I I really like the Bellator show. Like, I've been to a couple of live events, right, and I just – I, I don't know who I was saying it to. I really like the show that they put on with the yeah. with the big screens, the walkway that you guys walk down and yeah. stuff like. It's it's um, a full on production, and and yeah. I just think you know it is totally different, and that's why I, I find it funny when people are always like UFC Bellator, and it's like to be honest with you, you're both in the mixed martial arts business, hundred yeah. percent. But I think you both have your different take on it as well. Like yeah. I, I don't think you're actually like competing, competing with each other. I think you know they're. They're two different models on the way that they run their organisations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll always, um, you know, have a soft spot for Bellator because in my early days, you know, they saw something in they in me. They did. They weren't worried about records. My like my record was five wins, four losses, and that's purely because I was learning on the trot. Like I didn't have any amateur MMA fights, so you know, would learn from fight to fight. And in that first year, I had some ridiculous amount of fights um, for a one year period where there's not really much time to learn but in saying that like I you know was learning as much as I could but um yeah they believed in me they worked with me you know and um you know they respect me and they've um, definitely looked after me in the five years that I've been signed with them. And so when did you know you could make a career out of this and I only say this because you pretty much came in I won't say before it was pretty much the same year as the Ronda Rousey effect right so right now like obviously Women's MMA is definitely up there. You know, you, sure. you, you've you got a lot of high, uh, I mean, whether it be Cyborg, whether it be Nunes, whether it be, um, you know, Joanna. Yeah. Um, but it all sort of started with, uh, yeah. with Ronda. Yeah, for sure. um, and, and obviously, um, you know, now you see a lot of these gyms. Uh, I deal a lot to do with the Winter Warrior program, yeah. uh, which is obviously getting amateurs or people with no experience in and, and they do this six-month fight camp yeah. and, and and get to have a fight at the end. And their numbers are literally 50-50 now, like male to female, yeah. if not sometimes even a little more female than, than male. Yeah. But when you awesome. started, there was no Ronda Rousey yet. Or she, she, I think she started 2012 as well. So yeah. she was there, but I'm saying the, the Ronda Rousey effect hadn't taken yeah. taken hold yet. So when did you realise, I guess, you could make a career out of this? Um, well, it's funny because I, um, I literally started MMA to keep – so I actually started doing wrestling training and jiu-jitsu just to mix up my boxing training because, yeah um, – when I turned professional, my first three fights had happened, but then it was just this long st- – and there was a long period of time between each of the fights too, um, whereas I'd come from being an amateur where you'd fight, you know, every second weekend or you'd go up to tournaments and you'd potentially fight three times in one week of the Friday, the Saturday, you know, make the finals fight Sunday. So I was very active, you know, a lot of exhibition fights or this and that. So, you know, in a one-year period you can have a heap of fights, whereas as a professional, um, you know, you only have one – maybe, you know, one or two fights if you're lucky sort of thing. So I think it had been about 10 months in between um, fight 
number one and two and I was like oh well all this training so yeah my coach at the time was like you know why don't you mix things up and I looked at wrestling and BJJ and I was like well that's way too confronting like it for me I I didn't like it being inside even boxing close um you know the wrestling and the you know dirty boxing the phone booth fighting and stuff like that like I was a long-range fighter um in and out um yeah so the idea of that didn't like it at all but he's like it's all right it's you know because at the time I only had um, one training partner and my coach and he's like well it's just us we train together so it's not like you'd be walking into a gym and training with someone you don't know so you know obviously a lot of confronting positions for somebody new to the sport whereas now you know I'll literally walk into any gym you know you know tap in and then do a round and and not even like think anything of it you know you don't you don't even know the person you don't even know their name and at the end of it you say thank them and introduce yourself or whatever but you know at the beginning um you know for an outsider looking in on the sport it's um <laughs> it's a bit crazy but um so yeah I started it and you know had the um you know first 14 months worth of fighting I got signed to Bellator and even then like flying over there I was still taking MMA as a side sport so um, it wasn't until I won that first fight on Bellator and, um, you know, obviously got paid a lot more money than I'd ever made in any of my professional career, um, which still wasn't a lot back then anyway. But compared to like, uh, I mean, I remember one of the fight promotions here in Australia, I fought three times in one night on a, um, a gauntlet type um, thing and, and I made $100 and my parking back at Sydney Airport was 170 So I was actually in the minus after that. And Which then, is crazy, right? That yeah. is, it, it's just, and, and I get it too. Like the, the the problem is, is like the money's not here on the local scene, and that's it. Like you know, it, promotions rely on ticket sales and this and that. And yeah, and this is something that I was talking um, on another podcast earlier in the week. Is that you can't go into this sport like I, you know, even now I still work a full time job and I've got other side things with my mentor and coaching this and that for income. But that's purely because. Um, I'm trying to get ahead in life, you know, with my kids. You know, I was I'm not going to rely on going fight to fight and provide for my family in that sense, um, and that's why I still you know juggle working in that. But so, what do you do for work? I work for Coca Cola. I do quality assurance. Um, so, so what you sit there and and, and you drink a lot of co- <laughs> you drink a lot of Coke on a daily basis. <laughs> so, um, post mix account. So, like, I literally you know visit clubs, pubs, um, and restaurants and that and. Yeah, do quality assurance for their post-mix accounts. But one of the quality assurance tests is to taste test it. But um, I hope my boss isn't listening. I don't taste test all of it. I'll do the no sugar coke. <laughs> well, surely they got to understand, right? Like, uh, I mean, because it, it's definitely not... Man, the, the if you taste test, if you saw how many, like, venues I go to, and, it, yeah, there's a lot of taste testing. <laughs> but, I mean, for the most part, when you do all the other tests and if they come back good, then generally the taste is good anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and in a case like this, like, do you get time off from them, or, yeah. or do you still only get like your four four weeks annual leave no, a year? Well, I've actually been really lucky in the sense that, um, so my last three fights, you know, I, um, I've been working the whole time through fight camp, and I just take my time off. And, and for me, it was one of those like you know, high five, you know, fist pump moments. The fact that I've juggled, you know, working a full time job, you know looking after the kids, I coach classes at um, the gym, uh, kids' classes and boxing and boot camps, um, my mentoring. Like, I've got a crazy schedule. But um, this fight camp, obviously, for the biggest fight of my career, I don't want to, you know, sit back and think I should have taken some time off. So, yeah, I've taken time off work. Um, and as of this week, I've actually taken um, the next three weeks off um, my coaching responsibilities too. Um, 
so yeah, I, I feel like I hate letting people down, but in saying that too, I know that everyone's super understanding. It's just, um, yeah, just head down, bum up. Well, when it comes to just even <laughs> MMA in this country, like it's the biggest female fight right now, right? 100%. Like it, it, it just is. So like, I mean, you kind of have to take that that time off, and and you know they always say that mixed martial arts is a selfish sport. Yeah, and I guess that brings us to the next thing as well, which is like. Do you shut out, say, your kids and stuff now as well and put that on to your partner that he's got it or do you still make time for them? Like, Because at what point do you just go, look, because they, they say like it's a sport that you have to be obsessive. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes and that's why you see like a lot of these martial artists, you know, whether it be with relationships with partners or in, in, in your case kids as well, like sometimes you've got to take that selfish stance yeah. and you're like, you know what? I'm not trying to be a bad partner. I'm not trying to be a bad parent. Yeah. But no. this is all about me right now for the next, as you say, it's three weeks or whatever. So, how how is the household coping right now? Is is <laughs> I'm very very lucky that um, you know my partner and kids are all very understanding. For the most part, um, I like to switch off when I get home. I switch off from being a fighter like I am to them, you know, a partner and a mother. And um, but in saying that, yeah, like I, I'm lucky. My partner's taken on a big role in. You know, at the moment I, um, I'm eating meals from Athletes Nutrition, which is supplied meals, and so I don't have to eat. Like, so I just literally heat up my meal. So he's taken over all, like, the responsibilities of cooking. So he does his own cooking and, and obviously working with the kids too. So they'll have their meal and, you know, I'll have my heated up meal. So um, it's just an extra strain off me, off me. I'm not sitting there, cook, you know, cooking and I'll clean and that. But, um, yeah, I still... I still like my house duties though, like, you know, I'm still ironing and cleaning and mopping floors and this and that, but that's my, you know, switch off mode that makes you still feel normal because if you surround yourself with, um, you know, fighting so much, like, and live and breathe it, like, it does get a bit much. I like the idea of, you know, getting home and switching off and, you know, my partner and I will jump to bed of an evening and we'll watch, you know, whatever TV series we're watching and I'm still very much a partner. But, you know, fighting does take up a lot of time, like, um, you know, after training I'll get home and, you know, if I'm, you know, got a bit of a niggly ache or something, he'll obviously, you know, rub me down and, and yeah, like they are all, it's a team thing. So when, you know, when I win, we win. Um, when I lose, yeah, we, like, yeah, they all, they're there. We're a team. And I just got to take it back to your original, like right, right at the beginning. I read somewhere that you had nine fights in the first year, year and a half. Is that correct or, or was I reading something wrong yeah, there? Yeah, no, that's what um, – so, yeah, April 2013 I had my first um, MMA fight and then May I had my second and then in June I – that's when I won my two Boxing World titles because I was actually in fight camp for my third MMA fight, which I came back and did that in the July – then I fought in August, which was the three times in the one night. And then I came back and fought, I think it was that September or October. But, yeah, in a 12-month period I'd had, like, obviously my Boxing World title fight and then I think my first eight professional MMA fights, which was, um, yeah, I think I was about four and four though. So, <laughs> But in saying that, like, when you think about it, there was, um, you know, good reason why I've got a few losses to my name because you kind of don't really have a lot of time to fix some errors. But it's just crazy as well to be that active. I mean, you know, people always made this this big deal about, say, Cowboy Cerrone, right, that he took four, uh, five fights in, in a 12-month tw- uh, period. Yeah. And then, like, you hear that kind of stuff and you're like, as I say, I didn't even know it was 
uh, legal in the sense I always thought that they would hand down medical suspensions, but I guess yeah. that's probably different well, on the local scene. Yeah, 100%. That's, yeah, because it was here in Australia and... Um yeah, I was just lucky and like I said, that was the reason why I started MMA was just to keep active. So I was loving being that active and when you go from the amateur boxing like world where you're competing regularly like that, to me it didn't seem anything different. But now that I'm like, you know, further on in my career, I was like, wow, that is a lot of fights. Um, but yeah, no, it's cool. I was glad to be um, active and like, even looking at my record back then and, you know, I haven't lost now since 2017 and really the only losses I've had... Um, on the world stage have been to, you know, two very top-level fighters. And obviously now we're at this 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 big fight, right? So who who have you got in your corner for this one? Is it obviously James Tahuna. Yep. Yep, like he, he's been with you for a while now, yeah, right? Yeah, um, And is it, are you taking your partner across as well? Yeah. or Or because I know you've done a, a little bit at uh, Jackson's. Yeah, so I'm going to coach Winkleby there as well. Um, so he's actually cornered my last couple of fights as well. He um, has been there because he's had other fighters on the card. But, yeah, so I've done a lot. I actually spent March, uh, like a bit of time in March over at Jackson's and was training. And the plan originally was to go over there and do fight camp um, over there. But it's been really, really hard because we were sort of – unsure if the fight was on like even when I was there in March um COVID really kicked off and that's when um everyone was sort of told to return to Australia immediately the borders were going to be shut like it was all very up in the air and I was like oh maybe I'll just stay over here and I could just keep training but now it's funny because like (laughs) if I had stayed over there I would have been still there from March and having the kids um you know obviously you know changes your thought process if I didn't have a family I probably could have stayed over there and yeah, it would have been training, it would have been fine. But um, I came home and um, did my quarantine and it's been really hard to sort of plan what we were doing because, again, COVID sort of changed things. It wasn't like we were told, oh, you, yep, you'll definitely be fighting in September or, you know, October and then we could plan it from there. Obviously, the travel exemptions were another thing that we had to apply for. And, yeah, so it did change things up, but um, I'm super happy with where I am at the moment and training um, and the people that I get to train with. Well, you've also been training with Alex, right? Yeah. I saw that yeah. as well. So are you doing some of your camp with the freestyle guys? Yeah, or? yeah. Well, for me, um, the last few camps have been about trying to build a really good female team and I do have a really um, strong group of females that are featherweights to train with and, you know, um, use their bodies and, and, and train with. But obviously this fight changes things a little bit um, and in no disrespect to, to Chris by saying this, but, you know, she's as strong as a man and she, you know, I feel like... I need to be wrestling and training with guys just for that strength. So, um, yeah, I've actually, gosh, down at Freestyle, and I only said this, um, you know, I was down there last Saturday for sparring as well, like looking around the room, there was, you know, 20 different guys all at featherweight and lightweight and their skill level, they all have such different skill level but it's at high, like at a high level. So, um, you know, I can get thrown in with any one of them and then obviously even having Alex it's himself in front of me, it's like you can't get much better than that. He's the UFC featherweight world champion. So, you know, you, that's just the best of the best there. Crazy. And um, with with this fight, like obviously, and, and once again going with the age, like once once you beat her, yep. are you going to give her the rematch? Are you, are you going to defend it or are, are you going to like uh, do a George St. Pierre and, and, and uh, like – I guess, like, I'm not trying to call a, a quits on your on your career either. Yeah. But have you have you given that I any? On a high. Yeah, have you given that any thought? Like, because obviously that'll be the uh, top oh, of the sure. top well, of the mountain, right? Yeah, like, and I said to you um, off air, 
you know, I first saw Chris fight, um, you know, I think it was like exactly a week before my debut MMA fight back in 2013. So she's always been the girl that I'm like, you know, I want to fight her. And, you know, it would have been much the same if I was a bantamweight fighter everyone, and everyone keeps saying, you know, when are, gonna, when are you going to fight Ronda Rousey? And I'm like, clearly you don't watch a sport because she's not even fighting anymore. But, you know, back in my early days it was like, when are you going to fight Ronda? But for me it was always, when are you going to fight Chris? So that you know, she's the girl that's been at the top of the ranks my whole like my whole career, and she is a pinnacle fighter. And I'm super like I'm sitting here at the moment thinking I'm super lucky because you know for a lot of fighters they never get the chance to fight that dream fight at the you know the number one at the top. So yeah, for me now you know um, finally all these years later our paths are crossing at the right time. And you know this fight in itself, and I was only saying it to Tony um, after training this morning, this fight when I win it will wrap up four career goals in one fight. So that's like that's massive to sit there and be able to say that. But um to answer your question, no, we've um I've got like a, a bit of a plan. So yeah, I'd like to defend it definitely. Um I don't I don't want to just be that champion um and sort of end it there. Um yeah, I'd, I've definitely got two more fights um that I want and then I've got a few personal things that I want to do that might see me out a little bit but then you'll see me back <laughs> but yeah definitely um so what are the what are the four goals you say that this one fight is four goals in the yep. one fight what what are those four goals um well, goal one to fight chris cyborg um goal two to win the bellator world title goal three to earn a significant paycheck um and goal four is to become a dual boxing and um mixed mma world champion so Four goals in one. Crazy. And and I guess, I mean, look, when people are saying fight Ronda or whatever, I think this is a better fight for you. I mean, look. Oh, 100%. Chris is a scary, scary fighter. Don't yep. get me wrong. But I, I think just watching your fights, I mean, and, and I guess this is your boxing background, is you like to stand, stand and train. bang. And yeah. you know Chris... Oh, likes man. to likes to trade as well, where you know Ronda's first attempt would be like to take you down, right? Yeah. So, I think in that sense, it's actually a better fight for you. Oh, definitely. Um, in saying that, like, there's you know talk that Chris is wanting to get her first submission victory, which I was actually surprised that she hasn't had a submission victory in, throughout her career. But that's because her first instinct is to just to stand and bang, and I'm like that too. I'd if I've got top position, it's a, like you know good submission position i wouldn't give up that you know for the submission i definitely still want to like strike it's just i think when you've got that killer instinct and i can see that she's got that um just like when she gets hit you know she wants to hit back it's like um you know you watch the nunez fight look at her there she was just swinging because she's just got like she was getting tagged but it was just her nature to want to keep returning and that's uh, um you know did you take anything away from that nunez fight like is there something that you saw in that fight that you're like Oh yeah, I definitely took a few things, and I like I said it for years that people just needed to do exactly what Amanda did was stand and fight her. Like, don't get me wrong, she of course she's a scary person, and, and her presence in the cage, and you've got someone coming forward. But if you show that fear to her, she feeds off that, and Amanda didn't. She stood there, and you know she gained respect. But in saying that, they both were swinging. Like it could have, you know, you re- repeat that exact same fight again, and it could have ended completely different. And it's unfortunate that the two of them didn't get a rematch. Um, but obviously, yeah, that's um, the UFC's loss and Bellator's gain and my gain. And um, I'm just super glad that the fight's happening and I got to stay with Bellator and, and yeah, things aligned in my in my favour, I believe. And you did mention that once you 
win the belt. Um, you wanted another couple of fights, um, and you've got a couple of fights in mind. Yeah. We, what fights are that? If you don't, are, are they obviously avenging your losses? Um, yeah. Oh, well, there's actually probably more than a couple. It's going to be a busy twelve months, but. Um, so with Chris, um, yeah, definitely beat her and the idea of a rematch would be awesome because, um, yeah, I mean, I think that she'd want that. Um, the other Bellator fight that I really want would definitely be with Julia Budd. Um, I feel like there's unfinished business there. Like I'll definitely give her the first one. That was a, a win. Um, you know, I had got things going on injury-wise. So for me, I was, it was a win for me to be even get in there um, and step inside the cage. I've never pulled out of a fight due to injury even <laughs> – even though there have been significant injuries and that, but for me it's something that I hold my head high, knowing that, you know, I get in there and um, and perform and I don't pull out an opponent. But the second one, um, yeah, it was very, very close and I should have should have left it all in the cage, um, so lesson learned the hard way. But, yeah, a third fight would be cool. But um, the other big one that I'd like to sort of push and promote would be um, a trilogy fight with Chris Cyborg. As in, um, you know, she's made it very well known that she wants to have a boxing fight, um, you know, and promote and push the – go down the avenue of being a professional boxer. So, you know, get in there and have an MMA fight with her with Bellator, have a, um, a professional boxing fight with her and also have a professional kickboxing fight with her and obviously use the, the Bellator promotion in that sense. But, yeah, there's been no other athlete um, on the combat side that's fought professionally um, in all three um, sports. Well, that that could kind of work too. Could yep. go, uh, you know, have this title fight, have a boxing fight, and then have yep. the the rematch. And the reason I say that, I think on the on the weekend, Scott was talking about it. He got questioned about uh, Cyborg wanting to box, and yep. he said, "Look, I'm I'm happy for her to go down that route. The only yep. condition he asks is that whoever she boxes." then steps into the MMA arena. So <laughs> it would be kind of funny if, if, if the two of yeah. you uh, got to square off in the uh, squared circle. Yeah, for sure. And obviously that's um, – I've got a lot of unfinished business in the boxing ring. Um, so, yeah, obviously having a fight with her would be really cool. Nice. And um, <coughs> I guess, you know, um, just talking about where, where you're saying um, – uh, before uh, about coming home and and switching off and and obviously what how how hard is it to sometimes switch off uh, this this will kind of be my last sort of uh topic just mentally because i know a lot of people always talk about like the fight game being a mental side um yep. so how hard is it and, and even like last week i had ty on there and he said in, in his first bellator fight he couldn't switch on yeah so how hard is it for you to i guess switch off um you know, uh, after you leave the gym and everything. And, yep. and also, I guess, in, in, in Ty's case, how hard is it for you to, say, come fight night or fight week? How hard is it for you to, to get in? Like, wh- is there certain things you do? Like, is there um, music that you listen to that, that gets you in the right space? Yep. Or, or, you know, uh, you know, do you go get yourself pampered? Or <laughs> what, 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 what is it that you do? Um, as for the switching off... Um yeah, the last few years I've spent a lot of time on working on, like, my mental state. Um, and for me, it's like, yeah, if I finish at the gym and I know that I put 100% in every training session, it's, you know, you take faith in the fact that you've done that. So there's no point in sitting there, you know, thinking, I'll spend a few minutes after training on things, you know, working on thinking about things that I could have done better, especially in an aspiring session or things that, um, you know, I was happy with. So there's in any training session, especially when it's sparring, um, you know, take three things that you could have done better 
and then three things that you're happy with and always finish it on like the good note because otherwise you just, you know, you dwell on it. And for the most part I do that, um, God, I do that without even sort of thinking about it now and then, yeah, the session's done, you know. And like in training, and I say this to a lot of my training partners or people that I'm mentoring that, um, you can have like a, you know, a week of training sessions where every training session feels like shit. God, sometimes I even had a two-week trot um, a couple of months ago and I'm like, oh, God, this is... Yeah, really, this really sucks. It feels horrible. But you just know, and I've been doing this long enough now to know that you just got to ride the wave with that and then eventually like, yeah, obviously your fitness picks up or even like your recovery or whatever the reason might be, the sessions get better or like, you know, you might, yeah, you might have one really good session and so then when you do get that good session, you kind of reward yourself and you take like take that on board and, um, yeah, you don't dwell on the bad stuff. But that's why I always push through the bad times too because when it comes to fight time and you might wake up and you might have a headache or you might just not feel – and I've done it before, you know, I've been a bit jet-lagged and I'm tired and like before my um, Amanda fight, the one the one that I've actually got the record for, the 22 seconds, I did not want to go out there. I could have told you – Well, that's be- why you finished it quickly, right? <laughs> well, the, yeah, the funny thing is though I hadn't even switched on. Like that was just a reaction. She came forward, she actually hit me with the jab – and I just came back with a, you know, straight right, left hook. And then she just sort of dropped. I was like, oh, shit. And then, you know, I went in and instantly that kill mode, like, you know, switched on and, you know, the fight was finished. But I sort of went back afterwards and it was like, oh, and that's probably another reason I sort of was all a bit shocked by it all. Everyone's just like, you know, 22 seconds and it was great. And obviously I'm very, very happy by it. But for me, I was more so focused on how I felt before that fight. That's that's the thing that I was trying to work out, um, obviously, because, yeah, it's a big thing going out there and you're not wanting to perform or even wanting to be there. It's a, so for the most part, you kind of feel like that for most of your training sessions too, especially if you're tired or sore, you don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning, get to the gym, but you do it because that's what helps you come fight time because you know that you've done it a hundred times in fight camp and you just get out there and you just do it. And you know what, for the most part, usually those training sessions are the best ones that you drag yourself to that you don't feel like going to because you've got no expectations for that training session. Um, yeah, and and recovery has that um, become a little harder a, as you get older? Because I mean, I used to always say, you know, like when I was young, I get like a little injury or whatever, I'd be able to play through it or whatever. <laughs> where now it it, it kind of Hangs like around. so it, it, it like has that has that changed over time? And um, oh, definitely. And you know, is there <laughs> is there certain things now that you do? Like, do you give yourself more recovery days, or like, is there certain things that you do to help with the re- yeah. recovery? Um, this is like obviously a conversation that Jamie and I have a lot because he's um, he's a year older than me, so he's you know um, not fighting anymore, but he's still very very active. But you know, he's feeling a lot of the aches and pains from his fight career that are coming back to haunt him a little bit now. But yeah, I've been saying it, so. Yeah, I've been doing this for almost twelve years, and I don't think I ever had a recovery, and I don't even think I used to have rest days back when I first started because I was just that hungry. I just wanted to train all the time, and um, yeah. Whereas now, there's a very very strict training week. And I'm, for the most part, probably doing um, 70-30, like with training and recovery. So like, yeah, if it, I'm doing recovery every single day, whether it be, you know, seeing my physio, chiro, cryo, hyperbaric, um, remedial massage, acupuncture, um, Normatec boots, rolling, yeah, like it's a very, very, um, and it's not so much because I need it, it's just that, um, yeah, that prof- professional side of things, like, your body isn't a robot, like it's, um, and yeah, having a, tr- a strict training 
um, schedule where I have the rest days and even listening to my body now too. So, you know, it might get to a Wednesday and um, I've got um, like a Wednesday plan, but two of the sessions could potentially be cut out if my body is needing it from the Monday, Tuesday, which is quite strenuous so that, um, you know, it's that midweek sort of hump day where you're you know, a little bit fatigued and same thing comes through to sparring on the Saturday, like the Friday night, that's a, a question mark session too so that I'm, you know, if I'm not feeling it, um, then I can be a little bit fresher on the Saturday. But it's a bit of a trial and error because there's also, like for me, I'm one of those people that just want to train hard all the time. So because I'm like that, I have the luxury of, you know, having the rest days in a sense because, you know, some people could take it the other way, whereas if you're missing sessions, you're being lazy and this and that. But, yeah, I, I know to listen to my body. And it's also trying to make sure that you peak at the right oh, for sure. right time, right? Yeah. Like that, that is really important. Um just because I'm looking at it in, in, in on your background, anger fist. Where does that come from? Because you don't seem the angry type. No, I mean you you you, you fight you fight a very uh, you know uh, aggressive fight style, um, yeah. especially with your jabs and stuff like you. You come for it quite quite you know as I say yeah, aggressively, I but <laughs> and 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 you do own the fastest Bellator females knockout, but. Anger fist. Where, where, where? How did, how did you come up with that name? I like to think it's my alter ego now, because yeah, it's funny. A lot of people, especially um, you know, who follow me on social media, or you know, anger fist is probably a little bit of a um, scary sort of name. Even people that see me in public, but they're too scared to come up and say hello. I'm like, surely I look like a nice enough person. But yeah, I guess it's. Um, it came from my amateur boxing days, um, just from a fight song that I walked out to. And then I just didn't really do much with it. And then obviously once I turned professional, it's like, oh, you need, like, you kind of need a fight name. But um, it didn't really stick until I started MMA. And obviously because I come from a boxing background, you know, it's my hands that do the talking. And, yeah, Anger Fist just sort of stuck from there. Um, as I said the other day, I, I was thinking about rebranding a few years ago because Anger Fist for, um, yeah, like a fight name and, and marketing for life after fighting doesn't really sound too appealing to organise, you know, made motivational talks at schools and um you know women in business meetings and stuff like that you know Arlene Angerfist Blanco it sounds a bit a bit um a bit of a put off or scary or people might have like a um, an idea of what type of person I am before even really meeting me or hearing my story but um I kind of realize now that you know if people reach out to me now it's they already know most of my story and another reason why I'm doing more of these podcasts too is just to get more of my story out there and um yeah sort of break down that anger fist scariness a little bit <laughs> and you're going to write a book at some point for sure that's that's i saw that somewhere yeah. as well so yeah. um so we'll, we'll start to wrap it up yeah. um this fight is 100 percent going ahead 100 percent locked in so i mean obviously you've got to do your covid test that's probably yeah. the only thing but you've been able to get the exemption already or yeah, and yeah. stuff yeah. how how hard was it to get the exemption um well I was lucky. So Bellator, um, their legal team, you know, put a letter together. I, um, you know, obviously stating, you know, my ranking, what I'm doing. So it's not like I'm just going over there for like, you know, a, a little fight or something. You know, it's for the Bellator world title. I'm representing Australia. So, yeah, they put a very uh, well-written letter together. Um, and then I also attached my fight contract with it. So um, obviously put the the exemption, applied for it online and linked um, – Jamie and my partners to that um, and mine actually came back and got approved but they got denied and I was like 
oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, I'm gonna, okay, I'll be flying over without coaches. But I'm like, hang on a minute, no, I'm not going over without coaches. It's like a football team going over that, you know, without their coach or without half their players or something. It, it's just, yeah. So I actually reapplied Bellator, rewrote the letter um, on behalf of Jamie and um, Dion, just stating that obviously, you know, they're my trainers and I need them there. So, yeah, I think whoever obviously processed the first one probably just didn't, really realised that, okay, she's a fighter and she needs her coaches and, and that. But anyway, it all got approved. It was a bit of a process. Um, you know, you need your documents and your reasons. But, again, I feel like I'm very, very lucky because I know that they are rather strict with the exemptions and people are getting denied, you know, travel exemptions, you know, for purposes of funerals and, you know, more personal type things. So I kind of – I feel bad that you know, I'm going over for a fight. You know, the idea of someone missing a family member's funeral is just, you know, so sad and um, – yeah, I, I do feel which is bad. weird because yeah. they do they do try to sell it that you get the exemption for compassionate grounds. Yeah, a yeah, funeral well would be a compassionate 100%. ground. Like this is what I never understand. Yeah. Like I really don't understand. And then you know, as I say, I mean, you've got a title fight, but I mean, even like last week, the 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 Australian cricket team went across to England yeah. to play a game of cricket, right? Yeah. Like and it's kind of like yeah. Uh, yeah, as you say, like you've got families that have lost family members yep. and they're getting denied. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what's the, 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 the protocol? So you get tested here no, before so you leave or no? No, so we fly over and I get picked up from the airport in a private vehicle, so um, my team and I. So we're um, you know, segregated away from anybody else. Um, we get taken straight to the casino hotel where I'll be fighting and we get COVID tested immediately and then locked into our room and quarantined until those tests come back negative. And then from there, we're allowed out, um, face masks the whole time, but only in the areas of the casino um, that are quarantined off by Bellator. So it's not like we can go into the, you know, the, the pokey area or like the, the public areas where the, I guess all the people will be. But from what I hear... Um, you know, Connecticut, where the casino is at, is actually in lockdown. So I think it must be like a very much like, you know, Victoria situation at the moment. So um, just talking to other fighters, you know, who've been over there just to try and get a feel for like what's happening, um, how it is. So we can be a little bit more mentally prepared that it's going to be completely different to any other experience that I've had before with Bellator. And then you're going to have to obviously do yeah. two weeks when you yeah, get back, yeah. right? Yeah, so we'll literally, um, you know, fight on the Thursday night which is Friday here because you lose the day. Um, so Friday there we'll be flying it. So I'll get back Saturday and then, yeah, a two-week quarantine will start. Um, yeah, so just thinking I've got a list of things. I've got a list in my phone of things that I'm going to do in that time. Like I've already had to quarantine for two weeks when I got back from America. I was lucky enough to do that in my house. Um, so I've got a gym and a kitchen and did a lot of organising and cleaning and training and that. But, yeah, I've got a, a list of things and I'm going to – be very active on my social media, do a lot of live, um, like, you know, chats and, and, and bits and pieces and try and include a lot of people in that. And I've got a sports webinar thing that I've just signed up to as well. So, um, yeah, just keep myself very busy. Well, the fact that you're bringing back the belt, hopefully they'll give you the Alex treatment because I think he, <laughs> he got put up in an Airbnb. He didn't have to – and with a gym and everything. Like, yeah. he didn't have to stay at the hotel. Um, but we will wrap it up. Um I just want to get a couple of fight picks from you before we go. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously we'll go with the most important one, yourself, right? How do you see your fight going? Um, I, I guess we can all agree it ain't going the distance. Like, <laughs> it, and, and I say that just because obviously 
the two fighters that are involved. I just yeah. don't see it because it, it's five rounds, right? Yeah, so yeah. I don't see it going the distance. But in your mind, how do you see this this fight play out? Well, this is something. So um, I've got sports psychologists on board um, from Jackson Wink and we've been working on a lot of um, visualisation, like, you know, going through the five rounds and all different scenarios. So, yeah, I guess for me it's a it's – a, and going off, um, you know, how I sort of start the fight, you know, if I'm going to be the aggressor or, like, if I settle into it or just, yeah, where the fight takes me, it depends on sort of what happens. MMA, it's a crazy one. She might rush – me or she might come in and be a bit you know tentative she might come in and take me down for the yeah so it's either going to be a quick finish or we could be in for like yeah I think um like just going off my boxing session this morning too we're we're ready to settle in for the five rounds if we have to and I want to you know if I don't get a finish I want to like um completely outskill her um yeah which I think would be just as impressive like it's you know knockouts are always at you know, lucky punch type thing. Yeah, even like when you look, at, if you actually technically sit back and look at the Amanda and um, Chris Cyborg fight and watch it, like yeah, it, it was just a not a lucky punch, but it really could have ended either way. So for me, you know, if I was to go in there and do five rounds against you know, pretty much the baddest woman on the planet and make her look silly, make her striking look silly, make her look desperate, I think that's pretty pretty awesome. And you man- mentioned Amanda Nunes. Yep, she's fighting the other Aussie. Yeah, I know that's why Megan Anderson, right? So, oh. do, do, yeah. So, do you guys train yeah, together at all, no. or do you, do you, do you, do you talk to each other? And um, how do you see that fight playing out? Well, this is the thing. Um, obviously, Megan's in a very much the same position as me. Um, you know, we are the underdog. She is the underdog, but by no means can you rule us out. Um, yeah, Megan and I trained together, gosh, years ago. I think it was before my first Bellator fight. So, yeah, about five years ago. So, you know, she wasn't with the UFC yet and I was, uh, you know, only coming up to my debut fight for Bellator. But, you know, we will quite often message each other and, yeah, Aussie's supporting Aussies and I'm, you know, a very big fan of hers and what she's done and, um, you know, the exposure, the fights that she's get. Like, yeah, she's getting the, a shot at the um, – I was going to say Bellator. No, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> the UFC world title. Like, that's awesome. That's just – Yeah. It's, um, you know, people are obviously excited about my fight, but, yeah, excited about that one too. So um, she's a very tall girl. Um, you know, Amanda, I think, was exposed a little bit against her fight with Jermaine, as in, um, like, fitness-wise. And, um, you know, there was a couple of moments in there that Jermaine sort of, like, you know, potentially had it over her. So, I mean, yeah, it's a fight. All it takes is that one punch or one slip of focus by um you know amanda or chris and we're going to capitalize on it so hopefully yeah 2020 i mean um, i was gonna say amanda megan and i both be two aussie champions and yeah and 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 the thing that people don't realize is that aussies are very laid back in in the global sort of sense right they always yep. go oh yeah aussies are cool because you're laid back but we also love a good underdog story. So 100%. the fact that you're both underdogs, I think yep. that kind of fuels us. That's That plays right into our hand. Not to mention, and this is just a cheeky little plug, being the underdogs, you'll probably both be fighting, uh, fighting out of the blue corner, which is crazy, right? Like, <laughs> I, 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 I have to say that. But, uh, I mean, look, we, we've, we've done so well now. Um, uh, let, let, I mean, we'll go New Zealand now, but yep. the, the other fight, yep. Izzy. Costa, exactly, exactly. right? Um, 
we're, we're, we're producing, I mean, Robert Whittaker just lost to Izzy, but like we've, we've produced some really, really good fighters. Yep. And, and I think, you know, whether it be cricket, rugby, we've, we've got that sporting kind of, as I say, that mongrel in us. Yep. And, and we're, not, we're not afraid to be kind of like, yeah, we're the mongrels. Yep. Um, but yeah, with Izzy and Costa, how do you see that one uh, play out? Oh, uh, yeah, I think Izzy's got it. Sure, he's just he's striking. He's just focus, and yeah, he's gonna outstrike him. And I think it's gonna be a bad night in the office for Costa. <laughs> See, I kind of feel the same way. Like yeah. everyone's talking about Costa's gonna bring the fight to him, um, and it's kind of like what I said to you before about that. This fight actually is the perfect fight for you because yeah. she's gonna want to keep it standing. And I kind of feel like the same with the Izzy Costa fight in the sense of Costa's gonna bring the fight. But Izzy is a counter striker, hundred percent. So it's His it's kind of way too quick, right? So it's like, yeah, bring the fight. That's exactly what Izzy wants you yeah. to do. Like it's it's kind of so I kind of feel that Izzy. I mean, look, Costa's a big boy once again, scary dude. But I feel if it isn't for that one shot, yeah. I, I kind of feel like Izzy is gonna, you know, stick on the yeah. outside and yeah. kind of piece him it's apart. It's unfortunate that yeah, like I guess someone zero has got to go, doesn't it? So yeah. One's going to be forever stuck in the other's mind. <laughs> you know, you never forget that first loss. Um, Khabib versus Justin. Oh, man, I'm a big Khabib fan. I just love his wrestling and his on-ground mauling. <laughs> He's just, yeah, I, I'm a big Khabib fan. So it'll be cool to see him back in there. And obviously, you know, he's had a very rough um, you know, year, obviously losing his father and stuff too. So I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he – how his mental state is, you know, being there without his dad, which I think he was there. His dad wasn't in one of the fights anyway, wasn't he? He wasn't in the last fight. He no, wasn't, th- I'm not sure if it was the last one or the one before, but yeah, yeah there was one where he couldn't get the yeah, right the visas visa, or yeah. something. Yeah, but I mean, it's different to not being present and not being here in general. You know, obviously, it's going to be a talk and it's probably something that you know, um, insensitive interviewers will probably ask how he's feeling after he's dad or like, you know, one of those things. But um, no, It could I, actually put the extra fire uh, in him too, right? Yeah. Because like, yeah. I'm sure he's going to want to go out there and dedicate it to his father and yeah, stuff. So yeah. it can actually f- fuel him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure he's a super – like he's a very super focused sort of fighter anyway, so I'm sure he will know how to just push that behind him. But, yeah, no, I'm a big Khabib fan, fan so – um, I don't see anyone beating him, just like, you know, even Valentina and um, I don't see anyone beating her for a very long time either. Okay, we'll do two more. So um, Robert Whitaker is now fighting Kennedy. Do you, do you feel that Robert has turned a page again and he's back on the up or how do you, how do you see that fight going? Yeah, no, um, I reckon, yeah, Rob's going to be super hungry just to get his belt back. So I don't see anyone like, yeah, going to stand in his way for that. So, yeah. Okay, and then the last one that I'll and it's just because you know Alex has made a big statement on that he doesn't want the the Max Holloway fight anymore. He yep. wants the number one contender, and they've now made the Korean Zombie versus Brian yep. Ortega, and I kind of feel like that is the number one um, yep. contender fight. Uh, who do you, uh, yeah? How do you see that fight going, and who do you think Alex is going to be fighting next? Um, probably the Korean Zombie, I think. Um, yeah. But either one, like again, I've just even spending time in front of Alex, like he is just next level fighter. It's crazy. Um, I don't think I don't see either of them beating him anyway. So whoever, yeah, whoever's in front of him, he'll just you know have a plan and put it in action. He's a very very switched on fighter with a gas tank that goes four miles. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that that's pretty much it. Unless there's something that you want to bring up. Um, 
but look, I, I, I want to wish you the best of luck. Not that you're going to need it, um, you know, and, and it, it's amazing. As I said, yeah. you and Megan right now and, and as I said, that we've had Robert, we've had Izzy, uh, Alex, like I just think we're in a really good spot right For now. Sure. Any, uh, anyone, you know, that's starting out in the sport, all these young, young'uns and stuff, it gives them hope because it's not unrealistic. It's, you know, we've even got Chelsea Hackett, you know, with the Contender Series um, – coming up later on in the year. But, yeah, there's avenues there for the, the fighters to get overseas now. It's not unknown for Australians. And, yeah, the fact that we're on these promotions but we're also, you know, winning and, you know, competing for the world title. So, yeah, best show. All right. So uh, I always give people the opportunity. Um, if, if anyone wants to reach out to you, whether it's just someone that's a fan of your work, uh, someone that wants to support you, someone that might want to get you along to some motivational speaking or, yep. or, or whatnot, um, what's the best way of them getting in touch with you? Um, probably social media, um, Instagram. So I'm the Aussie Girl Angerfist. Um, I promote myself as the Aussie Girl. Um, I used to just be like Arlene Angerfist, but the Aussie Girl's kind of stuck now after, um, you know, fighting in America so many times and my accent's apparently really Aussie, <laughs> which you don't notice it until you're over there. But, um, yeah, so the Aussie girl, Angerfist, um, send me a message and I'll always try and get back to everybody who messages. Well, there you have it. Um, as I said, like, uh, I couldn't be more proud of the mixed martial arts scene right now in Australia. Um, you know, best of luck. I hope everything runs smoothly. Um, you get over there, there's no sort of, like, problems with customs or whatnot. Um, and you bring back that belt, and then hopefully we can get you back on with the belt um, and have a little chat on, you know, what's next. But until then, I think we're going to call it a day, and that is it. I'm away. I'm away. Why?